Hey listeners, we have a very rare opening for an associate sound designer mixer here at DeFacto Sound. That's my sound design studio and the studio behind 20,000 Hertz. To learn more, visit jobs.defactosound.com. This application window closes on May 22nd. Now, onto the show. You're listening to 20,000 Hertz. When you think of HBO, you probably imagine it as a streaming service. People will say that they have Netflix, Hulu, HBO, Disney+, yada, yada, yada. But HBO, the television station, has been around way longer than any of those. It's even older than the internet itself. When I was a kid growing up in the 80s, we didn't have HBO. It was something that you had to pay extra for. And in my mind, it seemed like this fancy channel that only rich people could afford. But once in a while, on family vacations, I did get to watch HBO in the motel rooms we stayed in. Back then, it was pretty common to see HBO included on the signs outside of the motels. It was the kind of thing that made us poor kids say, oh, I want to stay there. To me, HBO was this magic portal to all kinds of stuff that I couldn't see anywhere else. For a kid, there was also an element of danger to it, since HBO played R-rated movies. Matter of fact, my parents once caught me watching Terminator 2 in our motel room, and I got in big trouble. Hasta la vista, baby. For me, a big part of what made HBO feel so special was this outrageously epic song that would play before every movie. To this day, I still get chills when I hear that. And I know millions of other people do too, including a lot of our listeners. That theme song still gives me goosebumps. Um, Reminds me of that time. I love that theme song. I think it's one of the best. It just brings me back to being eight years old in front of the TV every time I hear it, even now. And it's probably one of those sounds that most brings me back to my childhood. HBO was originally conceived by Charles Dolan. Dolan was a pioneer in the world of cable television. In the early 60s, he started a company called Sterling Manhattan Cable, which was the first company to wire buildings for cable access. His next big idea was a channel where people could watch sporting events and movies from the comfort of their couches, with no commercial breaks. Instead of making money from advertising, people would pay a monthly fee to add the channel to their cable package. HBO's original name was Sterling Cable Network, but since the whole point was to watch sports and movies at home, they eventually landed on the name Home Box Office, or HBO. Welcome to Home Box Office Subscription Television, bringing you great movies, sports events, and special programs, unedited and commercial-free. It's good to have you with us. When HBO first debuted in the early 70s, it was only in Pennsylvania. The first thing they ever aired was a National Hockey League game. Number 21 on left wing, with Orrin Sanderson. Drop pass to Orr. Back to Mark In the beginning, HBO had about 300 subscribers, and it aired for just a few hours a day. Remember, this was back when television channels used to shut down at night. Here's the sign-off message that HBO used in the 70s. What you see on screen is a bunch of adorable cartoon people and their pets going to bed for the night.
Even back then, HBO did things differently than everyone else. It was the first standalone television channel that you could pay for. It also aired the first ever pay-per-view event, which was a three-hour white-knuckle thrill ride of the Pennsylvania Polka Festival. HBO was one of the earliest networks to deliver their channel via satellite. Their first satellite broadcast couldn't have been any better. It was the legendary boxing match between Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali. Big round for Ali. Ali, Ali, Ali. And they were one of the first channels that played full-length movies on a regular basis. Sunday, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, starring Jack Nicholson in his Oscar-winning performance, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, premiering Sunday on HBO. By the early 80s, HBO had grown to over 10 million subscribers. By that point, they were airing across the country 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. But as far as their sonic branding strategy, it was kind of all over the place. Early on, the music that played before movies sounded kind of like intermission at a drive through theater. I do kind of love it, though. they had another song that you could imagine John Travolta dancing to at a disco. A few years later, they tried out this smooth song. It kept going on like this until eventually HBO decided it was time to make the most epic movie introduction in history. Michael Fuchs was the chairman of HBO at the time and a terrific guy. He said, I want you guys to create the most expensive movie opening ever made. That's Ferdinand J. Smith. He was hired to compose this game-changing theme. Now, when someone says that to you, let's see, hmm, you want the most expensive, huh? Well, okay, then that's what we'll do. For Ferdinand, this kind of job was right up his alley. A few years earlier, he wrote this movie intro for CBS. He also wrote one for ABC. At one point, Ferdinand even wrote a theme song for his own family reunion. Later, he sold that song to a supermarket chain to use on their commercials. We are a family Brought here through destiny Living in harmony We are a family When Ferdinand composes, he doesn't sit at a piano like most people. Instead, he hears the different parts in his head and literally sings every part into a little handheld recorder. I had some schooling in music, but I am a head writer. I can hear the music that I'm creating in my head fully orchestrated. So uh, it's just a gift, I guess. After he's made his voice recordings, he'll take them to an arranger and work with them to create a demo version. I'm working with the arranger in the studio. We put down the basic track, and then I layer on horns, and I usually save strings for later. Once all of the parts have been worked out, the arranger turns it into sheet music for the orchestra. 
Sometimes it drives people crazy, but the ones I've worked with for a long time understand how I work. For the HBO intro, Ferdinand was paired up with Anthony Lover, who was in charge of the visuals. Here's Anthony talking about it in a promo from the early 80s. We had to come up with a concept that would be unique, that it would look unlike anything else on cable or on network television. Anthony's idea started with a couple sitting down to watch TV. And the camera slowly pulls back and goes out his window, and magically we start this tour and flight as we swoop down through a city. Today, this concept might sound pretty tame, but at the time, it might have been the most ambitious opening sequence ever made. Without CGI, they had to create a model city by hand. Building it took six people over three months. The model city was over 30 feet long and included almost 100 unique buildings. This is from that same HBO promo. First, they were shaped and molded. They were painted to look weather-beaten. And finally, detailed with incredible accuracy. Pay a attention to detail. No detail was too small. They made street signs, hundreds of trees and plants, and even working street lights. There's a working light bulb in every room in every building, and headlights in the cars and buses. After the camera flies through the city, it looks up into the night sky, where the HBO logo appears in a shower of stars. To create this, the team made a physical 3D version of the logo, made of chrome-plated brass. In the finished effect, they appear to be a giant HBO space station floating towards you. While Anthony's team worked on the visuals, Ferdinand wrote music inspired by the mock-ups. According to him, the melody just popped into his head, like it always did. Ferdinand says that a lot of his songs were written in the middle of the night. He'd just wake up and put it all down on tape. Once he came up with the melody, he had a piano player record it to a cassette tape. But when he played the tape for the executives, they weren't sure about it. When I played the piano demo for Michael Fuchs, he said to me, Ferdinand, it sounds like a Jewish wedding march. And if you think about it, I tend to write in minor. And I said, Michael, just trust me and wait for the orchestra. To bring this track to life, they hired a 65-piece orchestra. But in the middle of the recording session, Ferdinand suddenly realized that the animation was longer than what he had written. I was sitting there with an orchestra, and I said... This is, this is eight seconds longer than it was supposed to be. To fill that extra time, he had to make up those eight seconds on the spot. Have you ever noticed how the end goes? You notice that? We have it slow down, if you will, so that we bought the extra eight seconds. But since these eight seconds weren't on the sheet music, Ferdinand fell back on what he knew best, which was singing these new parts directly to the orchestra. So I'm sitting there with the guy who's directing the orchestra, singing him those parts. The orchestra looking at me like I'm out of my mind. That's a true story. That's why it ends that way. Ultimately, everything fell into place. This theme perfectly captured the excitement of sitting down for an epic movie night. Here's the final version, which is about a minute long. And I want you to listen really carefully, because this theme will come back later in a big way. 
before long, that piece was being heard millions of times a week. But HBO didn't stop there. In the 90s, they made another piece of sonic branding that became just as famous, if not more so. And today, we associate that sound with some of the most groundbreaking television shows of all time. That's coming up after the break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Congratulations to Ryan Dimmick for getting last episode's mystery sound right. That's the beginning of the Radiohead song, The Bends. During one of the band's American tours, while they were staying in a hotel, Tom York, who's the lead singer, heard a group of kids playing instruments out on the street. He ran outside with a tape recorder, then used the recording in the song's intro. And here's this episode's mystery sound. If you recognize that sound, tell us what it is by going to the web address mystery.20k.org. If you do, you'll be entered to win your very own 20k t-shirt, which, I don't know if you've heard this before, is super soft and ultra cool. When I think about hiring, it just seems like it's more work, more stress, and more pressure. But here's how Indeed takes away all that worry. Indeed is the world's number one matching and hiring platform with over 350 million visitors every month. Indeed cuts out the work of hiring with smart AI technology that helps you find the right candidate quickly. It takes the stress out of the process with scheduling, screening, and messaging all in one place. So you know exactly what you're up to in the hiring process because Indeed keeps track of everything for you. Then Indeed relieves the pressure of choosing the right person. That's because their skill tests give you the confidence that you've got the right candidate. So now when you think of hiring, don't think of all those negatives. Just think of Indeed. To try Indeed for yourself with a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility, visit Indeed.com Hertz. Just go to Indeed.com Hertz right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com Hertz. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When HBO first launched in the early 70s, they were broadcasting for just a few hours a night to about 300 people in Pennsylvania. Over the next decade, the station exploded in popularity. By the mid-80s, they had millions of subscribers all across the U.S. And by then, every movie they played started with this classic theme song. By the 90s, HBO had started to change their focus. On top of the movies and sporting events, they started making original shows. One of the first was The Larry Sanders Show. It was a comedy about a self-centered talk show host played by Gary Shandling. What's it like? What's what like? What's it like being nobody? Oh boy, I can see this gonna be a fun conversation. No, I mean, what's it like not being a celebrity? Oh. 
The Larry Sanders Show was kind of a meta-commentary on show business. It could be dark and self-aware, and it was a big influence on later comedies like Curb Your Enthusiasm and 30 Rock. When the show first started, it opened up with the words, Home Box Office Presents. The animation didn't have any sound or music. It was kind of bizarre. HBO quickly realized that they could spice it up. There had been a rich history of HBO kind of doing these things, but not for its original programming. That's Bruce Richmond, who's the former head of production and executive vice president at HBO. At first, these HBO title cards were all different. That credit wasn't consistent. They'd use whatever typeface, right? They needed something that would tie all of these shows together. So I think it was like a need-based thing for us, which was like, it makes sense to have something that unifies all the programming that we're getting. And it needed to live up to HBO's reputation of doing things differently. HBO had always been a place that was about groundbreaking on every level. It always had a history of doing that, of being a place that was there to create its own ethos and DNA. They even started using the slogan, it's not TV, it's HBO. And they wanted the audio logo to reflect this idea. There was this kind of idea of, it's not TV, it's HBO. And how do you flip this thing, this concept? And it very literally was, what if there's like an old version TV, but when they turn it on, it's this... You know, so the conversation early on came into, let's focus on a turning on of a television set. Once again, the audio was inspired by the visuals. We did the video first, and then we designed the sound off of the video. So the sound design came up as a second piece and as a very important part of it, but it was the second part of the process. The visuals start with a television turning on. At first, it's just black and white static. But then the HBO logo comes into focus. The graphics were generated using a computer workstation called the Quantel Paintbox. This device was mostly used by news stations, and when it came out in 1981, it cost $250,000. Generating the graphics for that five-second logo took three whole days. Three days in the paint box to create the animation. An extraordinary long time. Once the graphics were made, Bruce and his team had to make a Sonic logo to go along with it. There were literally three of us in the room when we created it. It was Bruce, his business partner, and a sound designer. The recording session was at the sound designer's house, which was up in the hills of Los Angeles. I'm kind of driving up into what seems like a very wooded area in the middle of Los Angeles. And we go to his house, and it's a very kind of old A-frame. And he's just got a little audio setup. You know, he's a musician, and he's also a sound designer. So there we sat for the next eight hours, kind of following picture. The first part of the sound was easy enough. Obviously, we had the static. We had the thing turning on. The things that we started to play around with were what do we want it to do after. They wanted some kind of transition, like you were moving from normal television into something special. We had in the room 
this idea that we wanted it to resonate to something. So I think that's when we started to think about that resonating multi-timbral kind of drone that it then fades into. That drone includes a synthesized choral sound. To me, it sounds like angelic voices, but Bruce says that wasn't the intent. You're saying angelic, but we may have not been thinking angelic. If you listen to that, there's more low-end resonant in there than there is high-end angelic. An octave below the vocal sound, there's also a low synth tone. It's a little hard to notice at first, but we've boosted those frequencies so it's more obvious. The audio session took all night. During that time, they tried lots of variations. We had certainly gone down many rabbit holes by the time we got to 1230 AM. We had many different static things. We had many different resonant things. We tried a bunch of different things. In the end, they decided this one was the winner. The sound was so conditioning in a positive way. It was pleasing. It felt like you were being brought into something. You were transitioning into something. To me, it was like a perfect bite. At the last minute, they added one final detail. I remember the moment vividly. You see, there are actually two versions of that sound. One that plays before a show where the TV turns on. And another one that plays after it's over, where the TV turns off. If you turned off an old-time CRT, and you know you're on an old person's podcast when I say the term cathode tube, CRT, that thing used to like shrink down to a little dot, and then it disappears. And so we did that very consciously in the video, and there was a little teeny click at the end. And that little pop at the end, right? As that little piece turns off, that's where we knew we finally had a sentence, as it were, right? We had a thought, we had a beginning and a middle and an end. That was the last thing we put in and we knew it. Everybody just looked at each other and we were like, it's done, I mean, perfect. So there was a moment of, don't touch it, we'll mess it up. Finally, they had something to glue all of their original programming together. Of course, at the time, no one realized that they had just made one of the most iconic audio logos in history. No, of course not. (laughs) Anybody who tells you they knew it was a hit before they made it is lying. By the early 2000s, HBO was producing hit after hit. They had shows like The Sopranos and Sex and the City, award-winning miniseries like Band of Brothers, and stand-up comedy specials from Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock. And to top it all off, they had not one, but two massively famous sounds. But in the 20 years that followed, the world of television completely changed, and HBO had to figure out how to keep up with the times. In the age of streaming, would people even want to hear a bombastic 90-second HBO fanfare before they watched a movie? And in the digital era, does the sound of analog TV static even make sense? Maybe it was time to throw out all of these sounds and come up with something brand new. That's coming up next time. 
20,000 Hertz is hosted by me, Dallas Taylor, and produced out of the sound design studios of DeFacto Sound. For a little sticky sonic candy, follow DeFacto Sound on Instagram and YouTube. This episode was written and produced by Fran Board. And Casey Emerling. With help from Sam Reinbold. It was sound designed and mixed by Soren Bejan. And Joel Boyder. With original music by Wesley Slover. Thanks to our guests, Ferdinand J. Smith and Bruce Richmond. These days, Ferdinand is the executive creative director of an ad agency, and Bruce is an executive producer over at Amazon. To keep up with what's new at 20,000 Hertz, you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, or on our subreddit, r slash 20k. Even better, you can subscribe to our newsletter by going to the web address 20k.org slash newsletter. And if you'd like to see the feature presentation animation in all of its glory, there's a link in the show description. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.